In my update, um, I used this verse and um, to spring off on some other things. And since I've written it, I've been waking up looking for His mercies. Just wake up in the morning like, okay, your, new, your mercies are new every morning. Where are they? What am I doing? They never come to an end. From His throne, mercy is being poured out on you. Whether you deserve it or not. Because you never deserve mercy. I don't. We don't. When we deserve judgment... That is when mercy comes forth and mercy triumphs over judgment. Steadfastness means resolute, incessant, unwavering. Steadfast love, the steadfast love of the Lord is not temperamental, moody, or fickle. The God we serve is not temperamental, moody, or fickle. Can I get a hand for any temperamental, moody, and fickle people in the room? One or two. Lee Munsell, no. Lee Munsell raised his hand. The Lord's love is an eternal constant. It's unflappable. Regardless of time or circumstance. In your lowest low, whenever that is, when you're dealing with life and death, when you're dealing with the lowest thing and the worst thing that could happen to you, He is no different in His love for you than when you're on your highest high and feel like the wind's at your back, money's in the bank, the tuition's paid, you know, you've got savings and you're planning your trip. Everything's going great. And then it all blows up. This is where we become Christians. This is where our faith is required of us to understand that He's with us. His love sustains us through every situation that comes into our life. New mercies means new compassions. They're a manifestation of His love that appear and never cease at the dawn of each day. This is morning. Some of you have been up since uh, probably 9.15. Um, <laughs> You know who you are. You know who you are. No, you lost an hour today, okay? Who, made, who, who grumbled about the hour? Somebody probably grumbled about Oh, I'm so tired now. I'm going to be tired for six months until I get it back. But each day, each day is filled with new love and mercy of God. At college, in the home, in the kitchen, when you get up and you have your coffee... When you, when you leave here today, we're living on the mercy of God. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we'll rejoice and be glad in it. There's so much about new in the Bible, new songs, new commandment, new wine. You and I are new creations. This is the old and new covenant. But our greatest security and hope now and in the future 
is that His love never fails. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believed in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't come into the world to judge the world but to save the world. That's why He's a Savior. And that's why after we receive Him as Savior, He becomes both Lord and Christ, and now He's Lord. And as Lord, I don't do whatever I want to do. As Lord, I say, what would you have me do? It's a different mentality than just keeping Him in the place of Savior, where we keep getting into jams, and He's so awesome and wonderful. He keep pulls you out of jams from here and here, but there's another place where He is Lord and we are following his counsel. Today means new mercies. We've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and the precepts of that are not so much about externals. Much of life is about externals, making impressions, how you look, who you are, what people think of you, uh, what kind of impression you made, what kind of impression they made on you. All of these things are part of just being a human being, but the Sermon on the Mount is not about what you look like. It's about what's inside your heart and my heart. So I want to go to a very popular part of Matthew chapter 6. Excuse me, Matthew chapter 7. And it starts off with this. Don't judge. What? That's crazy. There's Judge Judy and there's Judge Wapner and there's all these judges on TV. Who did I miss? Give me another judge on there. Oh, good. You're not watching television much. <laughs> good. That's good. Do not judge that you, that, and you will not be judged. For in the way or the manner that you judge, you will be judged. So the way you see the world and judge other human beings is the way you will be judged yourself. That makes me nervous. Makes me wonder about myself. And by the standard of your measure, it will be measured back to you. The same way you give it out to people is the same way it's coming back at some point in time. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye But don't notice the log in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. Another way, Jesus is, how many know Jesus is really loving and nice? Okay, but he said you hypocrite, which means you fake. That doesn't sound loving or nice, but he was telling the truth. He's basically, you fake. First take the log out of your own eye and then, uh, then you will see clearly the speck that is in your brother's eye. For illustration, whoops. on this piece of paper, I have a Christian speck. This speck is what we as Christians notice about everybody else. I was once leading a meeting that was just really anointed, 
Everything was going great. People, some people were crying, touched by God. And someone came up and said, you know, I think you should have shut that door during the service because it was distracting. <laughs> I wasn't even paying attention to the door. But that person needed to have a speck. <laughs> a speck is, they're all late every Sunday. Everyone. <laughs> You're late. Now, I'm not saying that. But all of you that are on time, all four of you, how can we get here on time and you can't? Spec, spec, spec. And that becomes your M.O. sometimes in the church. Believe me, I've heard it. I don't know if I want to go here. They can't start church on time. You weren't even on time. I know, but I expect everybody else to be. Because the service doesn't start till I get here. When I get here. So we got the spec. Now I got my law. First Bill Maul said he's always my clear bill. He's my game pick. Where's your mask? I don't know the jeans are appropriate for church. <laughs> These aren't jeans. These are called dungarees. Okay. I see lots of people out here with problems. Okay. What is Jesus saying with this? There's a little speck on this piece of paper. He's saying, take the log out of your own eye. And then you can address the spec. I appreciate it. I appreciate it when it's right. I once was in Colorado with some friends, and I was riding a horse, and uh, something hit my eye and almost it knocked me off the horse. And my eye was welling up with a tear, and it just burned. And I, everybody came over and looked at me and said, oh, man, you must, must have been a horse fly or something. It hit you right on the eye. So I got back to the camp that night, and by then... I was in agony, so that's one part of the agony. The other part is a 55-mile drive in a pickup to an emergency room outside of Denver. And I go in, do you have insurance? I said, don't talk to me about insurance. I need something in this eye right now. He said, okay, we'll get to it. No, no, no. He said, you'll be okay. Well, then they put liquid Novocaine in my eye, and immediately I went, oh, felt so good. You want to do that? You think I'm going to trip on it? Yes, I do. <laughs> That was only to see if you're paying attention. Uh, my front vision's actually good. Uh, um, so anyway, I went to the emergency room. They did a scan. I had, um, they had all my eye had uh, styrations on it. And it looked like it had been scratched really bad. So they, they put a patch on it. Give me, put the thing and put a, the Novocaine, put a patch. And then I gave me some pain medicine, and so I went 55 miles back. And that night, one of the longest nights ever, I'm in this little, what do you call it, uh, shed, and there was four other men in this shed. And so you had me here, a guy here, a guy here. It's really packed, because we're way out in the boonies in Colorado. And 
They're snoring so loud. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't hear it in Mission Viejo. Every sound known to man. And then they, they had a dog. There was a dog down at the end of my bed. And I, every time I moved my little toe, he'd go, brrrr. I go, I couldn't even move my legs. He goes, ah, nice puppy. And uh, that one, and I had no lights. I didn't have a flashlight with me at the time. All night. And then in the morning, I got up and my eye was bloodshot and I said, Mark Siedebacher was with me, Cooper's father, and I came up, I said, you know, Mark, I think I'm going to have to go back. It's, and he says, freeze, don't move. He takes out his little um, set of pliers he has on a Swiss Army knife, and he goes in the corner of my eyeball, and he goes, and all of a sudden I had total relief, and there was a grass seed that had wrapped around the back of my eyeball. And it was, I still have it in my, uh, I kept a book on this thing. It was about an inch. It was wrapped all the way around my eyeball. Now there's a guy that took a speck out of my eye that I'm really grateful for. It doesn't take much for us to get upset with each other. And it takes a lot for us to love each other appropriately. We're not to judge the hearts of others. It's God's prerogative to judge the heart. We can look at actions. We can talk to each other about where, where's your heart and all this. That's okay. But no one really knows the heart except God. We will be judged, whatever that means, by the way we judge. We are called to make judgments. The church is, people are. So judgments aren't wrong. But a spirit of judgmentalism is a sin. When you have a judgmental spirit, everybody you see is up for your critical analysis. And that is wrong. We can get the log out of our eye by examining our own conscience and my own intentions. And allowing the Lord and the Holy Spirit to guide us. If you are judgmental in, in the wrong way, you see nothing but the shortcomings of others and you don't see your own. Your own, my own shortcomings are not up for review as I make judgments on others. So I wanted to uh, challenge us this morning I get a lot of people at times that really want to get into ministry. Or over my, my lifetime of ministry, I meet people that feel this and feel they want to get into ministry. Of course, I'm not the person to talk to because I always ask the question, why? Why do you want to do that? Because it's my passion. Oh, really? What does that mean? What does it mean about that? Ministry is not a passion. My passion is Christ. Ministry was what all of you are doing as servants of God. And all of us, whether a pastor or someone in the church or one of the leaders in the church or an elder or a women's Bible study or doing a work, going up to the rescue mission, all of that is ministry. And all of that is service. And that's equally important before God. But in James 1.3, he says, 
Let not many of you become teachers. Because knowing that they will incur stricter judgment. I, because I teach you and say things out of the Bible, will incur a stricter judgment when I stand before Christ. So I didn't, that's one reason you never want to sign up for this. I want a stricter mercy. But, when, but some people want to teach and tell people, I'm not, I honestly believe, I know some of you are called to teach. So this is not, and all of us teach as parents, um, and you, you, know, you do that in your businesses and through education and all that. So we're all teachers at some level. But the idea that teaching, uh, for me, has a stricter judgment on what God Uh, what he'll hold me accountable for. And that puts the fear of God in me. As we're thinking about judgment, I'll read this in James. I might as well go to James 3 uh, because I wasn't sure whether I'd get there or not today. Uh, But it has to do with our tongue. We live in a culture, uh, a tabloid culture, 24-hour news cycle. There are more things going on out there than we can even... Yesterday's news is old news. Whatever, all, all the cable channels and everybody will be on one thing today. Tomorrow it's not even on the news. Am I walking away from your side too much? Would you like me to come over here? We good? Hey kids, how's it going so far? Can you hear me okay? Okay. He says in James chapter 3. Well, he also says in James chapter 1, be quick to hear and slow to speak. But in 3, he says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into horses' mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great the forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? nor can salt water produce fresh. 
I want to close this morning with the thought that every situation you're, you and I are in, most of them we didn't ask for, but our faith instructs us that God is with us in the valley and on the mountaintop. Our faith tells us that all things are possible with God. That's not just at the, at the homecoming. <laughs> at the homecoming, every senior girl would walk up and say, life first, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It becomes a byline. It be something on the wall. But no, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, which means you're going to be weak in some of the things you're called to do, but you can do it through Him. My eyes and my logic tell me all things aren't possible. And it's not that my senses and my logic are incorrect. It just says my senses and logic are not final. Faith is final. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Love hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. And as we operate in faith, we trust the Lord even when we don't have all the answers. But the one who does have the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord, is available to reach out to Him and by His grace find the answers and direction He wants for us in any situation. Amen. Ten things that I'll hit. I won't, I, I won't go into detail on it because of time. I really do feel sensitive to that. But these are things that make it difficult to deal with our judgmental attitudes. I'd ask you for our hands to be raised about anybody that's judgmental. But this is recorded. We'll get it to somebody else, okay? You're not the one. Right. It's never us. How can I notice the pride in somebody else, but I can't notice my own? How can I notice that arrogancy in somebody else, but I can't see my own? How can I notice this person is hard or whatever, but I don't see my own hardness? Number one, listen better. James says, be slow to speak, quick to hear. Not just listening to the words... If I had a nickel for every time Dudley would say something like, you're not listening. I said, yeah, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. No, you're not. You're not hearing me, but you're listening. I got it. Uh, click. We're done. <laughs> hearing is something else where you lean into what someone's saying and you're really trying to hear them. One way out of judgment is to get a hearing heart for the situation. The second one is to respond and not react to the situation. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Those of you who have pouted in your life, I know you're here. Where are you? Okay, one powder. Any powders on this side over there? One, two powders. Powder over here. Give me a powder. Bill Maul said, God bless you. Not only are you our illustration, but you're our chief powder. <laughs> Pouting is when you get your feelings hurt and you take your ball and go home. And you, you just make everybody around you miserable. 
That is not of God. That's of us. Don't go to bed angry. We give the devil an opportunity. And when you wake up, if you did, it's not a better day. And it's really hard to see the new mercies. Number three is choose humility over pride. Righteousness is more important than being right. Humility is strength under discipline. Number four, make sure you, make, you have the facts straight before you make your judgment or your comments. I'm amazed in the culture we live in how quickly people reach conclusions, including myself. We know exactly what's going down. Um, it used to be I was so proud of this country that a man was considered innocent until proven guilty. And now a man's considered guilty until proven innocent. So wrong from what we started. Number five, when you get into something with someone and confronting them, don't judge them. Don't be judgmental. And the question I ask myself is, why is my judgment superior to yours? And when I judge someone, if I'm doing that, what's making mine better than them? A better way might be to say, I, I, may, I may be missing something, but you hurt my feelings. Or you promised to do this and you didn't. But we're not to sit and come down on each other. Number six, keep short accounts. Don't stuff it. Don't bury it. Everything that happens to you is going to be viewed through your hurt. Once you've been offended and you haven't dealt with it properly, Everything will come through that offense in your life. And the critical spirit gets fed. A young man one time, when I first moved to California, I knew I was discipling him and he was acting really weird. And I said, did I do something to hurt you, bother you or something? He said, no, no, not at all. I said, no, wait a minute. There's something going on. You're acting really weird. And he said, well, remember moving? I said, no. I don't. He said, yeah, like five years ago at your house that day when we moved from your house to that other house and I came to help you. And I said to you, well, where do you want this junk? And I said, junk, that's my stuff. But I thought you really hurt my feelings when you said that. I don't think I'm ever supposed to disciple the nations. I said to him, I said, I don't even remember it. I'm sorry that I did that, I'm capable of doing it that way. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have been more grateful or sensitive or whatever. I didn't even bother to tell him it's not junk, but I didn't want to get that side in. But he carried something, a low-grade thing for a long time because he was dishonest with me. I would never try to hurt him. But something is said and then we own it and stuff it. It doesn't go away unless we deal with it in God. The seventh thing is to confess our sins regularly. Lord, I've got a bad attitude. Or Lord, that was unacceptable. I ask your forgiveness. And where appropriate, I may have to go to someone and ask their forgiveness. And pray with those people that the whole thing can be released. Number eight is to realize that conflict is inevitable, but consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect work that you can be complete or mature 
lacking in nothing. In this world you'll have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So they're inevitable, they're coming. The trials that we have before us, I don't know. It is today for us, one year since COVID started. This time a year ago, I could, you could count on both hands the number of people that had contacted COVID in the U.S. Italy and France were lighting up, and Dudley had been on a trip over there, and I was concerned about it. She came in that day and said, what's going on? And then the next thing you know, for the last 12 months, this virus has defined schools and government, and in many cases, relationships. Uh, it's done, there's a lot there, but the Lord's in it all. If we see it, and we're, we're, we're to be hardy people. We're nor heights, nor depths, nor power, nor principality, nor things to come. We can overcome in all of that. Number nine, forgive trespasses as you've been forgiven. If you say, I will not forgive, well then when he died on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Seven times 70 is there for a reason. We block forgiveness because of our need for justice. We block forgiveness because of our pride. We block forgiveness because we, it gives us control over the other person. As long as we don't forgive them, we can, in some measure, make them twist into the wind. And we want them to pay for what they did. I'll just tell you right now, if you're in a situation where there's a lot of temptation to be bitter over something terrible done to you, it's an abyss until we, I can tell you now, or I can tell you 10 years from now, it'll end up, your only freedom will become forgiveness and moving forward. And number 10, we need to remember in any of these situations that God is sovereign. He has placed you in the situation you're in. You didn't ask for it. You didn't ask for the trials you're going through. Um, But here they are. It's inevitable and it's coming your way. But I tell you this morning, by God's grace, by God's grace, you and I have the ability to overcome whatever's coming down the pipe. I'm convinced. Death, nor life, nor power, nor principality. I'm convinced of that. In this world, it's hurtful at times for all of us. In this world, sometimes it looks very dark. And the truth is, it is. But wait a minute. You and I are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. And we're his ambassadors of reconciliation. Will the worship team come up, please? No more solos on my part. I really, I mean, this morning, I want to thank Bill Malstead. He hustled in here to get that heater. And look, I was looking at the temperature in Dana Point this morning. I said, man, it's going to be 51 degrees. That's a little nippy through the past. And, uh, but actually, it's not bad. It's, we're running 57, 58 right now, aren't we? Okay, somebody that's watching the game, switch over to weather real quick, would you? And uh, tell me what the temperature is. What's the temperature in here? 
Ty, what is the temperature? 56. Is it comfortable for you? Yeah, you're, and you're dressing appropriately? Great. We'll do that. Let's stand. I'd like to pray. Um, I know that, um, that many of you, and some more than others, are in very difficult times because of what's going on in and around your life. And so, the only thing I know to do at those times is go to the one who knows all things and sees all things and does all things well. And so join with me in prayer. Lord, I ask you that we would not be of the ilk or the type that is small in our spirit. That we would take it upon ourselves to judge other people inappropriately and never put ourselves up for review. I pray, Lord, that we would not be what you called a hypocrite, a fake, that our faith would not be uh, in words only, but not in matters of the heart. I pray that you help each one of us to pick up our cross and deny ourselves and follow you. I pray, Lord, that you'd remind us that in the beginning you said we would lose our life for your sake in order to find it. But if we kept it, you warned us that we would lose it. So here we are. For many here, Lord, they've been Christians for decades. For some, been Christians a much shorter time. We're all in this together, Lord. We're pulling the wagon together to edify and build up one another. Lord, we need more of your love in our hearts. We need more of the power of the Holy Spirit working through that. We invite your Holy Spirit to lead and direct us and to fill us with your purpose. And Lord, we're not afraid this morning of powers and principalities because we stand in your strength and your victory. So thank you, Lord. We move forward in faith, knowing that pleases you. I pray for every family here, for every father this morning. Lord, for every mother, for every child in each family and grandchild, for every friend, for every single person here, Lord. There's no distinction with you. Jew or Greek, Scythian or Barbarian, male or female, we're all one in Christ. You're not a respecter of persons. I ask you to forgive us, Lord, for any part of us that our attitudes and actions have been off towards other people or situations. Give us new eyes this morning to see clearly And Lord, I pray that you would have mercy on us as you did when I woke up. It wasn't just mercy, it was mercies. Your compassions were new this morning and your steadfast love never ends. We love you this morning and we bless you. Lord, as we sing this song this morning, let it be our benediction and blessing to you. Amen.
consciousness. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all the people who are here. I pray that you lead them this week, and I pray that everyone has a great week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.